Amen. Praise God. All right, let's get into the Word of God very quickly. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles. It might take you a moment to find a 2 Kings. 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings 13. Let's get rolling on this real quick. Hallelujah. 2 Kings 13. We're going to read verses 14 through um, 20. Well, let's, let's read 14 through 19. Let's just deal with that right now. 14 through 19. Everybody have that? Okay, let's read it all together. Ready? Read. Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Come on. take the arrows so he took them and he said to the king of Israel strike the ground so he struck three times and stopped and the man of God was angry with him and said you should have struck five or six times then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it but now you will strike Syria only three times only three times again uh, verse 19 verse uh, 18 again verse 18 again please then he said, take the, take the arrows, and he took them, and he said, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. Today I want to use for a simple subject, keep shooting. Look at your neighbor and say, keep shooting. Father, thank you today for the word we're about to receive. I pray that God that you give us uh, hearing ears, seeing eyes, receiving hearts. I pray that you give me divine utterance to minister whatever you tell me to say. Give me divine unction to minister in whichever way you lead me, God. And I ask that God, as we hear your word, that it'll be upon, it'll fall upon good ground and produce what you sent it to produce and prosper into that thing to which you please. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. All right, take your seats today. Keep shooting. Keep shooting keep shooting keep shooting keep shooting i hope all my grads today really really pay attention to what we shared this morning this afternoon and i hope not only do our grads pay attention but every person on the sound of my voice will really pay attention to what we share with you today on this message keep shooting in 2016, I preached a message series. It was titled uh, Prosperity Progression. Uh, how, how many of you remember that? Just three of you. Um, it, was entitled, it was titled Prosperity Progression. I admonish you, um, if you, if you weren't here for that message series, or even if you were, to go back over that, because we should be experiencing, as believers, a prosperity progression. Hallelujah. 
not regression, not, not going backwards, not, not, not going back. We should be progressing. The Bible says that uh, the path of the justice as a shining sun that gets brighter and brighter to the perfect day. So there's a progression of prosperity. Everybody say progression. And with, pros with prosperity progression, it means uh, also you don't just jump from A to Z. There's a progression of prosperity. Are you with me? And in that, in that message series, I, I taught uh, four levels where we can locate ourselves in this life. Remember, I taught the first level that we're all born into is evil. Evil. And then we went from evil to better. And then from better to good. And then from good, come on, to best or what would be perfect, right? So evil, we start out evil. Evil is when, when, you're, when you're homeless, that's evil. And it's, it's better when you have, you know, you're on somebody's couch. Or you can bunk with somebody, but that's still not good. And it's certainly not best. It's evil when you're, when you're riddled with sickness and disease in your body all the time. And, and you, you know, you can work and try to feel better, but better is not good. And good is not best. Hallelujah. When, you, when you're walking around town and don't have a, you know, a, any, any, you know you're using Mutton Jeff all the time. You're, you're walking everywhere. Uh, that, to me, that's evil. Unless you live out, you know, in some foreign country somewhere where no, nobody drives. And you want to get where you want to go in this city, in this region, you have to have some transportation. And so it's kind of evil when you don't have any mode of transportation. But, you know, if you can get on the bus all the time, that's better. But you haven't reached good yet. And it's certainly not best. If, if you're addicted and strung out, um, that, that's evil. If you're depressed and, and bound by anxiety, that is evil. And you can come to church and, you know, you can feel better and you can do better, but better is not good and good is not best. So there's a progression of prosperity that God will take us through to get us to a place called best. Are y'all hearing me? So God didn't, Jesus Christ didn't go through all he went through for us to live at the bottom of, the, of things, but on top of the world. Are you with me? He, I said he went through everything he went through for us to live on top of the world, not at the bottom. But there's a progression we have to go through. And, and, and God wants us to keep, to continue on that progression. Are y'all with me? Now, what I, what, I, what I want you to understand is, and I'm going to remind you of something we shared in each of those messages, particularly in the last uh, four or five of those messages, is that too many of God's people get to better and stop. Too many of God's people get, get to better because they're better off than their cousin or better off than their brother or better off than the people that they grew up with or they're better than, they're better than they were 10 years ago because at least now I'm not in jail or at least not, I'm, now I'm not strung out or at least now I'm not, I'm not homeless or at least now I have a job. And, and better is good, but God doesn't want his people st uh, stuck and stopping at better. Hallelujah. You ought not stop at better. But what I share with you was that the enemy of good is better. <laughs> the enemy of good is better. Good is better than better. Now, I know you go to the store and you go, you're going to buy a particular product and they have, they have good, better, best. Now, that's in products. But in your life, you don't go from evil to good. You go from evil to better. 
I, I, y'all remember I showed y'all that? <laughs> Better is a poor man with righteousness than a man who has riches and he, he's, not, he's unrighteous. Now, it didn't say that's good. It, it's not, not good to be poor. And righteous is just said the Bible said it's better so God takes you from evil to better and then if you if you will keep going he'll take you from better to good but he doesn't want you to get satisfied at better and too many most of God's people since y'all so quiet I'm gonna talk about you a lot of y'all sitting right up in here are satisfied because you're better than you were But better is the enemy of good. Because God wants you to at least hit good, but because you're better, you stop using your faith and stop using your actions. You stop shooting and you get stuck and you die at better. Hallelujah. And then I told you that even if you get good, good is the enemy of best. That even if you should, you should hit that, that, that place where people ask you, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Oh, I'm doing good. I'm good. We're, well, we're good. Well, good is wonderful, but Jesus didn't die for you to have good. Oh, man. I said he didn't die for you to have good. Doesn't God have the ability to give you best? In, in, in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 20, Verses 5 and 6 from the Living Bible. I want to read and, and show you what, what God said through the prophet Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 20, verse 5 and 6 from the Living Bible, it says, Tell them, the Lord God says, who's talking? The Lord. the Lord God says, when I chose Israel and revealed myself to her in Egypt. Now, Egypt represents, remember now, the world system. The evil world system. So that's what God does. God reveals you, reveals himself to you while you're in there. That's how you get saved. You didn't get saved just because it was your idea. You get saved because God draws you out of the world. Are you hearing me? So he says, when I reveal myself to her in Egypt, I swore to her and her descendants that I will bring them out of Egypt out of slavery, out of bondage, out of the evil system, out of an evil condition. He said, I'll bring her out. But he noticed he didn't say, I just bring her out. He said, but to a land I had discovered and explored for them. A good land, come on now, help me as somebody, flowing as it were with milk, the best so God says, my plan is to always take my people from evil to the best. I wish y'all would wake up and catch this. God doesn't want you stopping at better. It was better for them when they were in the wilderness. Because at least they weren't in Egypt any longer. At least they weren't in slavery and in, in in bondage for 400 years. At least they weren't working for nothing. Now at least they were in the wilderness, but God didn't want them. In fact, the Bible says that God was disappointed. He was upset because they died in the wilderness. And too many of God's people are dying in the wilderness. Dying because they finally made it out. We finally made it out. We finally made it out. We finally got us a piece of car. Finally got us a piece of apartment. 
I'm finally done smoking out six packs a day. Well, wonderful. But God didn't want you to stop and die in the wilderness. He said, I brought them out of Egypt. I brought them out of, out of evil to take them to the best of all lands everywhere. Anywhere. So God wants you to go from evil to the best. Are you hearing me this morning? God wants you to live the best possible life. He wants you to live. Are y'all hearing me today? He wants you to live and reach your fullest potential. He knows what he put inside of you. Did you hear that? He knows what he put inside of you, and he knows what he and you can do together. Did you catch what I just said to you? He knows what he put inside of you. He knows your potential. He knows your makeup, and he knows that if you work together with him, there ain't nothing that you can't do. I know that that's not proper English, but he knows there's nothing that you cannot accomplish if you work together with him. Hallelujah. John 10, 10 Amplified Classic, a scripture we know so well around here. Jesus said, I came that they may have and enjoy life. They may what? Have and enjoy life. And notice it says, have it in abundance to the full. So Jesus said, I came not for you to be better. Not for you to just hit good and retire. I came for you to have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's why, thank God, as we were praying over, over those young people today about going off to college, that if they would actually use what they heard, if they would, I hope y'all were paying attention over the last 12 years, that if you would use what you, were, what you learned, you can apply your faith and never struggle on, on a college campus. You can manifest so much, you can take care of all your dorm mates and your teammates and your classmates. And I wish I had three more amens. Uh, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to locate my amen corner there. I don't know. God, God, God has, he's put so much potential on the inside of you that you can go far beyond your, you ever, any place you ever imagined. But he notice it says that he wants you to have it in your life and have it in abundance to the full. To the full. Now the word full speaks to capacity. Are you with me? The word full speaks to your capacity. Oh, hear me. Now, my potential, remember I told you God put potential in you. Now, full speaks to your capacity. But your potential then is limited by your capacity. You got to get this. God put unlimited potential in you but the ability to manifest that potential is limited by your capacity. So, and, and, and for, for somebody in here, what, what you call full may not be what I call full. Because full is determined by your capacity. If you put out an eight ounce glass, 
The Bible says he anoints my hair with oil, my cup runs over. Now, if you keep putting out an eight-ounce cup and somebody else puts out a 16-ounce cup, don't be mad because they have more than you. It's because you keep putting out a little tiny cup. I'm not, I'm not one of those, um, what do they call those little tapis? What's that, tapis, tapis plates? I'm, I'm, Y'all know what tapis is? I'm not a tapis plate person. If I'm going to go to a restaurant, I don't want a little tapis plate. Uh, you, you can have that tapis plate stuff. I don't, I don't want tapis. I want, I want a full, I want, I want to go home full. I want, I want, I want to go home knowing I have eaten. I want to go home knowing... I, I want there to be just a little, a little bit of pain, just a little, not a lot. Just, I, I want to feel it. I want to, I want that, I want to be full and tapas ain't going to do it. Now, some folk with their little skinny little selves can go and eat tapas plates and be full. But that ain't my testimony. That ain't how my life is set up. But if you keep putting out a tapas plate for God, then he's only going to give you tapas supply. He's only going to manifest tapas lifestyle. But if you will put out a full plate and say, God, fill my cup until it overflows, run me over, he's going to give you more than you can ask or think. He came that you might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, but you determine full. Are you with me? Are you with me here? God lets you set the mark on how far you'll go. Hallelujah. How much you'll have. What you'll be. You said it. Tell your neighbor, you said it. We know the scripture in Ephesians 3.20 and we can quote all that. And the Bible talks about now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. Well, yeah, pastor, what about that? He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we, all we can ask or think. Yes, he's able. It didn't say he will. It said he's able. He's able. Which means that no matter how much, how high you set the bar, he can go above it. No matter how high. Matter of fact, give me Ephesians 3.20. Switch to the Living Bible for me. Give me, give me the Living Bible. Because I want you to see this. I, I, need, I need my graduates and I need my up and coming graduates. I need my, my folk. You already been out of school 30 years. I need you to see this because some of y'all graduated high school and you stopped shooting. Some of you graduated college and then you stopped shooting. Some of you got a job and j just somebody hired me, praise God, and then you stopped shooting. Now, glory be to God who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do, watch this, far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream. Did anybody have any dreams in your life? He's able to go far beyond your dreams, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. So no matter what you're hoping for, dreaming for, praying for, thinking about, he says, I'm able to go above that. I can supersede that. But I let you set the mark. Tell your neighbor, you set the mark. 
other words, my, my wife and I, we, we've been talking, you know, she, she mentioned our youngest son who's, who's he's going to be graduating next year and so forth. And, uh, you know, we were talking about his, his aspirations and we said, listen, son, we're not going to go harder than you do about you. We're not going to push you past where you want to go. Now, our job as parents is to stretch you and challenge you, but once you set your mark, we can only go as far as you go. Hallelujah. If you're not going to train, we can't, we can't make you train. If you're not going to work hard, we're not, we can't make you work hard. If, you, if you're not going to push yourself, we can't make you push yourself. So God allows you and me to set our personal marks, our personal goals as to how far we want to go in life. Oh, my. And so many people in the body of Christ get this religious mindset. Well, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me. If God wants me to do it, he'll make me do it. No, he won't. He didn't make you get saved. He invited you. He didn't make you receive the Holy Ghost. He invited you. He won't make you get healed. He offers you healing. He won't make you do anything. He offers you. He invites you. So you set the expectation. You set the mark. So when it comes to having success and, and prosperity, I'm still trying to locate the right people on the baker. When it comes to having something in this life, God has offered it all to you, but he won't push you any farther than you want to go. He allows you and me to set the mark. He allows you and me to set our goals. He allows you and me to draw the lines. And if you and I stop shooting, he stops working. Thank you, Holy Ghost. There was a woman who, she, her husband, he had died, and she was in serious debt. And the Bible says she found the man of God. And the man of God says, what do you want me to do? What do you have in your house? And she said, I have nothing but this little jar of oil. And he said, go and borrow vessels. Don't borrow a few. He said, borrow many vessels. Don't borrow a few. And when you come into your house, close the door behind you and your, and you and your sons and begin to pour that jar of oil into those vessels. And, and the Bible says she and her son begin to pour that jar of oil into those vessels. And every time they poured, every vessel was filled, but they still had oil in that little jar. And they bring the next vessel and they pour out and they still had oil in that little jar. What was happening? The hand of God was on them. The supernatural miracles were happening in their life. And every time they brought an empty jar, the, 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 their, every empty vessel, that jar kept filling that oil, that, that vessel up. But then the mom said, bring me another vessel. And they said, we ran out. We're out of vessels. And the Bible says the oil stopped. If they had brought 10,000 vessels, that jar would have filled 10,000 vessels. If they had thought brought a half million vessels, it would have filled a half million vessels. But the oil stopped at the point of their expectation. That means God will never overdo. He'll never outdo your expectation. He'll never go beyond what you prepare for because he pours, but he will not waste. And if you don't set a great expectation, if you don't set a high bar for your life, if you don't set high standards for your life, if you don't set high goals for your life, God will not push you and he'll let you go to heaven better. Right. 
He'll let you go to heaven just over broke. That's what job stands for. He'll let you go to heaven just over broke. He'll let you limp into heaven. Oh, I wish I had some more witnesses. Remember this man, Lazarus? Jesus told a story about Lazarus. The Bible says Lazarus desired the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And that's all that he desired. Now, if he had desired his own table, God could have given him his own table. But the Bible said all he desired was the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And he couldn't get that. In other words, if you set the bar low, you won't even hit that. Y'all, oh my God, oh my God. That's the reason why in this public school system, which is corrupt, they keep lowering the standards and the, the graduation rate keeps going down. Because if you keep dropping the standard, keep dropping the expectation, people won't even shoot for that anymore. But that's not how it's supposed to be in God's house with God's people. You and I are supposed to have our sights set on things high, things far above, things that are that exceed the norm, exceed the common, exceed. I, one, one thing that just, 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 oh boy, gets me in a knot is when I see people settling on average and mediocrity and commonality and being, being mundane and just being regular and being, being usual. Y'all so quiet. Give me a microphone at work. None of, none of these microphones work. I, 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 I mean, I, people around me, I just, it, just, it just really just ticks me off that people are so satisfied at being ordinary, at being usual, at being average, knowing that God made us kings and priests, that God has given us a high standard and a high calling in Christ Jesus, and people are just satisfied being just usual. Tell your neighbor, don't be average. Don't be mediocre. Don't be common. Don't, don't be regular. Doesn't your Bible say that God by his divine power has given us exceedingly great and precious promises so that by these we are made partakers of his divine nature. So God's divine power has given us exceedingly great and precious promises and yet God's people keep settling on the natural, on the mundane, on the normal, on the average, on the just barely getting by. Because you shot one shot and you hit that target and then you sat back and was satisfied. Look what I did. Because you're better than your cousin. Oh, y'all ain't got to say much. 
You're better than your classmates that you know. You got to set the mark. This is the case. Look at our text in 2 Kings 13. 2 Kings 13. We're going to pick up at verse 14. But I want you to understand that ever since the days of, of the king, of the days of King David, the children of Israel had been at war with the Syrians. That these Syrians had made them their arch enemies. The Syrians had uh, had it out for the people of God. Now, if you want to know why, I don't know know why specifically, or or, or I can't I can't identify the exact reason, but I suppose that it it goes way back to when to when Jacob left Laban's house. That when Jacob left Laban's house, you remember Laban was a Syrian, and although Laban was told Laban got mad because when Jacob left his house, he left him as a wealthy man. And Laban supposed that Jacob had stolen all of his goods. Found out he didn't steal his goods, but God had blessed Jacob. God made Jacob rich, but Laban still had it in him. And God had to speak to Laban and say, listen, be careful about putting your mouth on Jacob because I'm with him. Don't touch him. And Laban let it go. But it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's like years later, generations later, that they still had it out for Jacob's descendants because Jacob's descendants were prosperous and Laban's descendants were losing it. So Laban's descendants are the Syrians. They're the Syrians. And so they had it out for these Israelites. So you see in the days of David, King David, that they begin to attack them and make war against Israel because they had it out for them. And God had given the children of Israel victory after victory after victory. Hallelujah. In fact, if you were to look over in this same chapter a little earlier, you'll see in chapter 13 that the king of Syria, in verse 4, oppressed them. They had attacked them and oppressed them. In verse 5, it says, the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, so they escaped from under the hand of the Syrians. And the children of Israel dwelt in their tents as before. The thing about it is, watch this, this is very important, that over and over again, even from the days of David, they defeated the Syrians, but they had never destroyed them. Watch this, this is good, this is worth writing down. Whatever enemies you don't destroy, you'll see again. That, that's, that, that's worth writing down. Whatever enemies you don't destroy, you will see. I'm, I'm talking to somebody in the back. Whatever enemies you don't destroy, you will see again. That's why God told the truth of Israel when, he, when they went into the promised land to destroy the enemies, to kill the cattle, kill the donkeys, kill the babies, kill the wives, kill the men, kill them off because if you don't kill them, you're going to see them again. Because if you don't whip your enemies and destroy, and I'm not talking about killing people here today, but if you don't kill off that enemy that is coming against you in your life, you will see it again. Tell you that, you'll see it again. Why does a lot keep showing up in your life? Because you think your tax refund defeats it. It may defeat it, but it won't destroy it. You think a raise, a raise on your job will defeat lack. A raise will not defeat lack. It'll only address lack, but it won't destroy it. 
You think getting some one-time lawsuit, some one-time leftover money, somebody leaves you money in a will, that it's going to change your life. No, it'll only, it'll only attack that lack, but it won't destroy it. And whatever enemy you don't destroy, tell you, neighbor, you will see it again. You will see it again. The only thing God gave us to, to destroy lack in our lives was tithe. Y'all ain't saying much. Seed sowing and renewing your mind. That's how you destroy lack is with the tithe. It's with the seed and renewing your mind. Y'all got quiet on that. It's tithing. It's sowing seed and it's renewing your mind. That's what destroys lack. Somebody can put a million dollars in your hand, but if you still have a lack mindset, you'll lose all of it in a matter of six months. Because money does not destroy lack. Why does sickness keep returning? It's because prayer lines don't destroy lack. It doesn't destroy sickness. It'll address it. But if you don't renew your mind and know how to work the word and work your faith, you'll see that sickness again and again. Why does addiction, why does sin keep flaring up in our lives? It's because self-help cannot destroy it. What destroys addictions, what destroys sin is prayer, is fasting, it's deliverance. And if you don't go through a season of prayer, if you don't go through a season of fasting, if you don't go through an encounter of deliverance, that enemy that you thought you were rid of, you'll look up three years from now. And that thing you thought you would never be doing again in your life, you'll look up and you'll be back in the back, in the booth, in the dark, in the night, and doing what you said you'd never do again. Be on vacation doing what you thought you'd never do again because you didn't get rid of it. You just, you just, dealt, you just addressed it. But if you don't destroy it, tell your neighbor, you will see it again. Why do anxiety and depression keep showing up in people's lives? It's because vacations don't destroy it. You can go on a six-week expedition to Africa and it won't destroy anxiety and depression. You can go on a five-week cruise all around the Caribbean, but anxiety will meet you back at the port when you come back home. Because if you've not dealt with what you need to deal with, if you've not had your mind renewed, if you've not spent time in the Word of God, if you've not spent time going through the process of being delivered, then that anxiety, that depression will come back against you again and again and again. And if you don't, if you don't know how to praise God in the middle of your circumstance, that anxiety, that depression will hit you again and again but I dare somebody to give God a praise right now and say I destroy that enemy of depression I destroy that enemy of anxiety I destroy that enemy of worry it can't come back in my life anymore give God a praise right now sit down I'm in a hurry The only proper way to deal with an enemy is to destroy it so you never have to see it again. That's why I can't stop at better. <laughs> listen, listen, do you know, you remember in, in 1 Samuel 17 when David uh, fought against Goliath? The Bible says when David got his slingshot and that stone, he hit, hit Goliath between the eyes and Goliath fell. 
Now that was better. You knocked him down. That's better. But if I don't kill him, he going to get back up again. Some enemies you've knocked down. Some things you've knocked down. Some debts you've knocked down. Some sicknesses you've knocked down. But if you don't pull that sword and kill it, take off its head, it will rise again and it'll come back at you. So David didn't stop. David said no. He went over he grabbed that sword and he cut off the Goliath's head because he didn't want him to come back again on him. And then you know what else he did. David then went, you read a few chapters later, and he killed all Goliath's brothers. Because I know y'all are mad because I killed your boy. And I'm not going to let y'all sneak up on me one day when I ain't looking. I ain't going to let y'all creep me one day when I'm with my girl. You ain't going to creep up on me one day when I'm by myself and my boys ain't around. No, so I'm going to go and kill all y'all right now. I'm going to kill y'all on GP so you and your family can't come back in my life. Somebody holler today, but keep shooting, keep shooting. Find somebody else who looks like they need to hear. Tell them keep shooting, keep shooting. Don't stop at better. Don't stop at good. Don't stop to that enemy is totally destroyed in your life because if you don't destroy, you will see it again. Oh my God. God told the children of Israel in the 14th chapter of Exodus, they were standing there at the Red Sea. The Red Sea in front of them and Pharaoh's army all behind them and they were worried and crying and they were crying out to Moses and Moses said why y'all stand here crying he said stand still and see the salvation of the Lord that he will show you this day and God said this he said the enemy that you see today can I prophesy to you this morning I prophesy the enemy that you see today if you give God a praise right now you will see them no more again forever somebody shout because you know your enemy is being destroyed somebody shout because God is cutting it off for your enemy what you make it through your enemy can't make it through he's opening the red sea for you but he's going to shut it up on your enemy give God a praise Give God a praise. Give God a praise. Give God a praise. This your last time bothering me. This your last time messing with me. This your last time slowing me up. This your last time shutting up my life. You are destroyed forever and ever and ever. Sit down. Sit down. I got to hurry. Sit down. Oh Lord, oh Lord, oh Lord. Pastor, why do people keep dying? Because Jesus said in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. 
So once death is destroyed, there'll be no more dying. Are you getting it? If you don't destroy it, it'll keep showing up. That's why you can't mess with a little lust. You, you, you can't mess with a little lack. You can't. You, you can't mess with it because if you just keep messing with it, it'll keep coming and eventually that enemy is going to rear his ugly head. You got to destroy it. All right, let me move on. Let me move on. Move on. Move on. Move on. Go back to 2 Kings 13. 2 Kings 13. You're going to get this here before you leave. 2 Kings 13. Here's a scenario. That before Elisha's death, God gives Joash, the current king of Israel. Now, this is not the Joash we like, the one who was the king of Judah, who was a good king. This was Joash, an evil king, king of Israel. Israel and Judah were not the same by this time. The kingdoms had been divided. So this Joash, king of Israel, God, before Elisha, dies he's going to give Joash a prophetic opportunity well don't don't miss this don't miss don't miss this don't miss this look at look at the verse verse 14 he said Elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die he's always going to die then as a matter of fact if I if I were to I could tell you this if you read this whole chapter this is actually a a parenthetical reflection this section here uh it, it this you ever seen a movie where they they stop and they go back and show you something that already happened Th this is what we're seeing here Th that we're seeing a stoppage and they go back and show you something that had happened got it so elijah had become sick with the illness of which he would die then joash the king of israel came down to him and wept over his face and said oh my father my father the chariots of israel and their horsemen now, why is Joash crying? Why is he weeping? It's because he knows that once the prophet leaves, he is defenseless. And he says, he says, the, 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 the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. Now, I want to show you something. If you go back earlier in this chapter, remember we read in verse 5 that God gave Israel a deliverer? I mean, it's interesting. The Holy Ghost doesn't even give us the, the, the deliverer's name. That means sometimes God will use people and don't even give anybody your name, but he gives you all the credit. Don't worry about your name being called. Just let God use you. Nobody may even know your name. Nobody may, nobody may even know why St. Pete's still on the map. Watch this. Verse, verse 6. Nevertheless, they did not depart from the sins of, of the house of Jeroboam. Jer uh, excuse me, Jeroboam, who had made Israel sin, but walked in them, and the wooden image also remained in Samaria. They're worshiping idol gods. Verse 7, watch this. For he left of the army of Jehoaz. Now, Jehoaz is the same as Joash. Okay? It's the same, same person. It's like people, if you call me Jonathan, in, in a sentence, in the next sentence, call me John, because you're just more casual. You understand? So Jehoaz... Is, is Joash. And notice what he says. For he left the army of Jehoash or Joash, only 50 horsemen. 
Got it? Ten chariots and 10,000 foot soldiers. Watch this. For the king of Israel of Syria, come on, had destroyed them and made them like the dust at threshing. So notice now it's Joash is saying, wait a minute, man of God, before you, before you die, look at us. We're, we're depleted in our army. Our military has been decimated. And if you, once you leave, we don't have any defense because we know that God's hand is on us because of the prophetic covering on this nation. So he cries, Father, my Father. Now watch this. Watch this. Verse 15. Verse 15. I want you to get this here. And Elijah said to him, now I want you to notice that from 15 to verse 19 is all a prophetic, prophetic act. He's going to take him through a prophetic act. I want you to see this because I want you to know that in this ministry, you are under prophetic apostolic covering. And many times God will, will lead us in prophetic acts. And if you don't recognize prophetic acts, you'll disregard the act as nothing and won't participate. Like what just happened? Some folks shouted, some folks sat. But you missed a prophetic release. So watch this, verse 15. And Elijah said to him, take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. Okay? Now, okay, now watch this. People are stuck in the body of Christ because they don't recognize prophetic voices and prophetic instructions. <laughs> because they come to church because they've been used to being in religious denominational church and they see the church, the man of God at the top of the, at the pulpit as just reverend so-and-so. Because reverend went to school to become a reverend. And, 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 and they don't know that there are some houses of God that have men of God. I'm trying to help you. Not every house. But there are some houses of God that are led by men of God who speak the word of God and are in the earth the voice of God. So when the man of God speaks the word of God and releases prophetic instructions, if you don't follow those instructions, you've not just missed reverend, you miss God. And then you wonder why 2023 looks like 2022 which looks like 2020 and for some folks it looks like 2015 you're stuck like Chuck because you keep bucking the voice of God you, you keep despising the voice of God and so when Elisha gives his instruction, the impetus is upon the, this king to follow those instructions. So notice he goes step by step. Take a bow and some arrows. 
So he took a bow and some arrows. Then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Now can I stop right there for a moment? Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Eli now, now listen, this, this king knew how to shoot. He didn't need Elijah to show him how to shoot. He didn't need Elijah to help him shoot. But Elisha, by, by the leading of God, put his hands on the king's hands as a prophetic act because what he was doing was putting super on the natural. That he's going to take his anointed hands and put them on your regular hands. Your regular hands can shoot, but when anointed hands touch your hands, you're going to shoot your shot and it's going to hit something. Tell your neighbor, it's almost time for you to shoot your shot. It's, it's almost time for you to shoot your shot. That thing you've always wanted to do is almost time for you to shoot that shot. That thing that's been in your heart, that's been in your mind, that's been in your dream, that you've been talking about it, dreaming about it, thinking about it, couldn't shake it. It's about time for you to shoot your shot. But what you want is prophetic hands on your hands. You want a super on your natural. You want God's hands on you to make it happen. And so Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Are you watching this? Now, what's powerful about that is Elisha, Elisha was anointed. Everybody say he was anointed. How anointed was he? I'm glad you asked. If you look in verse 20, let's, let's pick the scene back up in real time. In verse 20, then Elisha died. How anointed was he? And they buried him. How anointed was he? And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of, of the year. How anointed was he? So it was as they were burying a man that suddenly they spied a band of raiders and they put the man in the tomb. They put the dead man in the tomb. Help me somebody. They put the dead man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones... How anointed was he? When the dead man touched the bones, Elisha wasn't living. He wasn't flesh and bones. He wasn't flesh and blood. He's just bones now. But when this dead man touched Elisha's bones, he revived. I said he revived and stood on his feet. Which means if you get around a real anointing, there's enough power to revive your dead dreams and your dead marriage and your dead family and your dead business and your dead career and your dead hopes and everything you thought you wanted. There's enough power if you get around the anointing to bring everything back to life. It doesn't matter how long it's been. It doesn't matter how hard it's been. If you get around the anointing, a prophetic man or woman of God, God will raise that thing back up and give you a brand new life. Somebody say a brand new life, Jesus. All right, now, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Now watch, watch what happens, watch what happens. 
Watch what happens. Watch what happens. Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Listen to this. Take a picture of it. Catch it later. A prophetic impartation releases divine power to take you where you can't go on your own. Elisha places his hands on the king's hands because prophetic impartations release divine power to take you where you can't go on your own. That'll give you the ability to do something you cannot do on your own. Now you can shoot on your own. You can go a long ways on your own. But if God can put his super on your natural, if you can get a prophetic impartation, you'll go much farther and it'll be much easier than it was on your own. Who am I talking to in this place this morning? The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 verse 11, Paul said, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. Are you catching that? So Paul says that without a prophetic impartation, you cannot be established. You can start, but you can't be established. Do you understand? Starting and established is not the same thing. A lot of folks start things but fail to ever get established. But Paul said that when I release this prophetic impartation, you will be established. You'll be settled. You'll be made firm. You'll be made strong. You'll become immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord because you've received help beyond yourself. So it was no accident, it was no, no inconsequential act that this man, Elisha, this prophet Elisha, placed his hands on the king's hands. Are you getting this? What is he doing? He's releasing a blessing. He's releasing a blessing. In number six, God tells Moses, he said, this is how the Aaron and his people are supposed to bless the people. He's supposed to speak over them. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the, may the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious unto you. May he give you peace. He said, this is how you place the blessing. So the prophet has the ability to place a blessing on you. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Somebody. There's another, another scripture, and I, I, I hesitate to quote it because, as I told you, I never want people to think that I'm trying to, trying to get anything. Another scripture that, that's there in Ezekiel 4 to 430 in the King James Version where the Bible talks about giving the best of your first fruits to the priest that he may command the blessing on your house. Now, you can do things on your own, but something happens when you get a blessing commanded on your house or a blessing commanded on your life when God blesses the work of your hands. So when Elisha is putting his hands on Joash's hands, he's not going to bless the work of his hands. Are you with me? Are you with me? Tell your neighbor, keep shooting. Now watch this. Watch verse, verse, verse 17. And he said, open the east window. Open the east window. And he opened it. Notice step by step. 
Then Elisha said, come on, say it. And he, Elisha said what? And he, now impartation is the prophet's job. But shooting is your job. Y'all didn't say anything. You, you missed that. You missed that. Because what else happens in the body of Christ so often is that you get in a prophetic atmosphere and a word is released and anointing is released, but then you go back home and do nothing. See how quiet y'all are? See how quiet y'all are right now? You go back home and think it's just going to come to you. No, 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 no. All he did was laid his hands on his hands, but he couldn't shoot for him. God didn't shoot for him. Joash still had to shoot for himself. Tell you that, but you still got to shoot your own shot. Girls, I remember back in the day, back in the day, back in the day, when we were, we were young teenagers, and there was, might have been a particular girl you were interested in, and back then, what we tried to do was, we, we tried to send, we sent our boy ahead of, ahead of time. We, we, our boy would go and do some reconnaissance. Our, our, boy, our boy would go and, and just start talking to the girl. Am I right, Tony? You, the, your, your, fella, your brother would start talking to the girl ahead of time and trying to find out you know, where her mind is, what she's thinking, and then try to put in a good word, like, you know, hey, I, I think my man might like you, you know what I'm saying? And you try to put in a good word and everything and you you do all that but at some point you still gotta shoot your own shot so pastor can pray every day for you I'm gonna come closer pastor can fast and pray every day for you God bless the people bless this ministry bless all the men of God bless the families give them prosperity bless their businesses but you still I said, you still have to shoot your shot. I can pray for your business. I can bless your business, but I can't run it for you. I can't cook for you. I can't, I can't do the half for you. I can't do the makeup for you. I, I can't advertise for you. I can pray for you. I can release an anointing on you, but I can't shoot for you. You still have to shoot your own shot. So we praise God and we rejoice. But when you get home, baby. Ah, oh, Jesus. All right, let me go and finish this up. Let me finish this up. Let me finish this up. Let me finish this up. Verse 17, are you there? And he said, open these window. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, and he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. So notice he says, you must shoot and keep shooting. For you must strike them until you have what? So the goal from the God through the man of God is to destroy them. In other words, I want you to reach the best. I don't want you defeating Syria anymore. I don't want you to have a good season. 
Y'all missed that. Y'all missed that. So many of God's, God's people are, are talking about it's my season. Oh, yeah, yeah, season's passed. God's trying to get you past a seasonal blessing. Seasonal prosperity. Seasonal joy. Seasonal peace. No, he wants you to have permanent prosperity. Permanent blessing. Permanent joy. Permanent happiness. But watch this. Watch this. When he has his hands, now no, 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 notice this, notice this, notice this. The Bible never showed us where Elijah's hands came off of Joash's hands. Which means that he's in a prophetic moment. He's in a Kairos moment. Everybody say Kairos moment. Kairos moment means an opportune season. It's a time when God is moving when you must move when he's moving. You must move while the water is troubled. You must move while things are stirred. You must move. You must act in the season. So when God speaks a season over your life, a season over this ministry, don't wait and think about it and pray about it and decide later on, I'm going to do something 40 days from now. No, you must move while, while God's moving. I, I want you to get a picture of this. Get a picture of this. Listen to this. Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. I'll read it again. Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunity. Which means when an opportunity comes by from God, a Kairos moment, it is, a, there is a window, a time you have to move. When God told the children of Israel to go and take the promised land, it was time now. And they said, we can't do it. And he said, okay, forget it. He closed the window. Then they decided, now they're going to try to do it. He said, too late. I closed the window. Opportunity. Well, I'm going to read it again. You better catch this, graduates. You better catch this, getting ready to graduate, wherever you are, retire people. Opportunities of a lifetime must be seized during the lifetime of the opportunities. You must move while God is moving. Watch this. We can get here and close. Verse 18. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Now his hands are still on him. It's still a moment. Strike the ground. Now watch this. Check it out. So he struck three times and stopped. He struck three times and stopped. What happened? Joash missed the power of the moment. Joash was still in better mode. He was thinking defeat and not destroy. And in the moment when God is moving, if you are still in a better mode, I just want to be better. I just want, I just want this year to be better than last year. You are going to miss best. You're going to miss it. You got to get your faith to rise to the level of revelation. Yes, 
Oh, y'all missed that. You got to get your faith to rise to the level of the revelation that God has given you even today. I'm not speaking better revelation. I'm not giving you good revelation. I'm giving you best revelation. I'm giving you revelation that says God's going to take you to the top, to the highest, to the pinnacle, to the summit of opulence, to the very best he has, and you better grab it in the moment. The Bible says he struck three times. This, this, this is my question, D. Why didn't he enter the bag? I, I, I can use our modern day vernacular. Why didn't he empty his clip? Oh, y'all, y'all ain't. I don't mean to you know, bother you uh, Second Amendment opposers in here, um, but I'm talking about those of us who understand Second Amendment rights, that, that if somebody were to, to try to come against you, somebody's going to try to come against your domain, somebody's going to try to come against your domicile, somebody's going to come and you're going to stand your ground, I'm not going to hit you once. Because if I hit you once, you might get up. I'm going to say it until I empty my clip. 17, bam, 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 17. Till I make sure you don't ever get up again and your cousin know don't bother me again. No, you keep threatening me. See, I wouldn't bother you. You, you threatened me. You, you came on my team. The Syrians kept bothering them. But all Joash has is a just defeat him. Just beat him this time. Just get him up off me this time. No, I don't want to just get you up off me one more time. I'm going to get you up on me for the last. This is your last. This your last time. You're going to wish you never bought you. This you you going to wish you. I just about to shout, devil. That was your last time. Tell your neighbor, unload your clip, unload your clip. Take everything you got. That's why we praise God so hard. We're unloading our clip. And grab another clip. And when we empty that clip on Sunday, we're going to come back Wednesday. And we're going to come back next Sunday. New clip. This man, Deke, shot three shots, three times, three arrows, and the Bible says, and stopped. So watch the response of the man of God who's dealing and carrying the mind of God. What you, how you see the man of God responds is how God is responding. Watch it, watch it. It's right in the text. And the man of God was angry. Angry. Angry with him. And said, you should have struck five or six times. You should have entered your clip. He, watch this, watch this. 
Because then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. So because you held back, y'all, you, you, you got it, you got it. See, if you keep holding back on the devil, you're going to face him again and again and again. But from now on, I dare you to never hold back on him again. Drop. He said you should have shot five or six times, man. If you had done that, you would have destroyed Syria. Do you notice then that he ties the ability to destroy to his to the release of his own faith? Joash's faith, his actions only showed three strikes. And because he stopped, he limited what God could do. Y'all better catch this. Help me close this message. Say, neighbor, if you stop, if you stop shooting, you limit God. You can't, you can't limit God. God's sovereign. God's all powerful. God will not do what you won't let him do through your life. He's not going to force you to enjoy the best. He's not going to force you to live healed. He's not going to force you to live happy and joyful. He's not going to force you to be prosperous. But if you will take the limits off of God, If you'll keep shooting, he says, but now you will strike Syria only three times. Can I go to the end? Verse 24, verse 24. Now Haziel, king of Syria, died. Then Benadad, his son, reigned in his place. And Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from the land of Ben-Hadad, the son of Heziel, the cities which he had taken out of the land, uh, the hand of Jehoaz, his father, by war. Three times, Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. Three times, he defeated. But guess what happens? You know, I don't have to keep reading the Bible. You can see it. They had to see him again and again. And again, and God's plan was to destroy them right there. Watch this, to destroy them in that generation. And because Joash didn't destroy that enemy in that generation, y'all, the next generation had to face the same enemy that plagued great daddy and plagued granddaddy and plagued great granddaddy and Great, great, great granddaddy. At some point, some generation got to rise up and say, that's it. I said, at some point, somebody got to rise up and say, that's it. No further, no longer, no more. Not for my children or my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren or my great-great-grandchildren. Nobody in my family. I'm going to crush this enemy under my feet today. I'm going to crush this enemy in my generation. My children won't deal with it. They won't live broke and sick and busted and disgusted. I'm going to deal with it right now in my generation. Give God a shout about it.
Tell your neighbor, keep shooting. Keep shooting until you empty your clip. Keep shooting until lack and poverty is dead in your family. Keep shooting until all your children are serving the Lord. Keep shooting until peace floods your house. Keep shooting until you live in the way Jesus paid for you to live. I, this today, I, I tell you, I want you to shoot past average. I want you to shoot past mediocre. I want you to shoot past common. I want you to shoot past regular. I want you to keep shooting until you hit the shot, until everything the devil even thinks about bringing against you in your life, until it's destroyed. Until it's destroyed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is the moment. It's the prophetic time for you to reach out and shoot. Aim. You set the mark. Now God wants to get you all the way to best in every area of your life. But he lets you set your own mark. I'm asking you if you'll use your faith today to let your mark match God's mark that you'll press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling which is in Christ Jesus I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your body a living sacrifice holy acceptable to God which is a reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God for you in your life? God has a perfect will. When I mean perfect, it is good. It is acceptable. It is perfect. Don't sell yourself short by setting a low standard, a low threshold, a low goal for your own life. Don't be satisfied at better. I want you to get all the way set your sights on the best how many of you received that today how many of you have some things that you just you ready for God to move in a mighty way in your life now listen you 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 gotta get you gotta get your, your your bow and your arrow. Some folks hadn't even picked up a bow and arrow. You just existing. You can't live like that. What what am I saying? I'm saying I don't care what level you've achieved. I don't care what accomplishment you've already reached. Keep shooting. If, if a mountain climber throws that pick above his head or her head to pull themselves higher. Now they're not trying to get to the middle of the mountain. 
They're trying to reach the summit, the peak. And God doesn't want his people to, to keep stopping. I'm going to just hang out here. Just, this is good enough. I don't want to go no higher. No, no. He wants you and me to live on the pinnacle, on the peak, the summit of that mountain. Why? So he gets the glory and you get to enjoy a full life. But you have to keep shooting. You have to keep shooting. Father, I thank you today for the word. For each person, for the sound of my voice. God, I know that not everyone is even interested in shooting, in going higher or doing more in arriving at best and there are people who will even sit and just waste revelation just waste impartation by not aspiring to do anything but God there are some people in this house who in their in their inner man they are unsettled where they are in that inner man they are unsettled with their current place their current conditions their current status and it's not greedy it's not materialistic it's maturity in the things of God that would have us to seek because you, you said God that you would give us desires of our heart and God I pray that each person who hears this message today that they will understand that God, your anointing is upon us to do great things. To do great things. Extraordinary things. Things beyond our own natural abilities. So Father, I ask you that every person who pulls out that bow and those arrows, who will keep shooting until they run out, that God, you'll give total, complete victory in every area of their lives and that every enemy that keeps rearing its ugly head will be destroyed, destroyed, destroyed. And they'll see that thing no more ever again hereafter. I command the blessing on every person in this room all those who will take it I command the blessing I release that blessing on every business every business owner lift your hands right now every business owner lift your hands if you're serious about business I release the blessing on you right now for you to shoot until you not only destroy lack in your own life but until it never hits your children or your family until you can change a whole community I release the blessing on your life right now in the name of Jesus that you will prosper that you will increase more and more in the name of Jesus that every enemy against you and your business is destroyed today receive it in the name of Jesus
we bind every enemy that's attacking in the mind anxiety and depression fear worry frustration impatience discouragement we bind it right now in Jesus name God I release that blessing upon every person in this room that they'll experience peace that passes all understanding in the name of Jesus no more enemies showing up in the midnight hour no more enemies showing up in the darkness of night in Jesus name I command peace on every life now in the name of Jesus father I pray that every student every student in this room will not just barely pass but that they'll excel and reach the top I command that blessing on them now to learn to see open their eyes to see concepts ideas principles let them see what they need to see make learning easy in the name of Jesus may they conquer every academic obstacle overcome every academic mountain and rise to the tops of their classes we speak blessing on all those who may have already put everything in park all those who've already retired in their minds that God they'll pick up that bow and that arrow again and keep shooting and press into what you have for them that sure we have enough for ourselves but God you want us to affect a whole community so I command that blessing on every life the ability to bless and change a community and I release that now under this prophetic unction and I pray that these are people when they leave they will put in the action that goes along with their faith I thank you that God we shall see results and lives shall be changed by the power by the power of this prophetic voice we thank you for it we give you the praise and the glory and we give you the honor we pray in Jesus mighty name Amen now come on and give our Father a hand of praise right now Come on and praise him, come on and praise him. Come on and praise him, come on and praise him. Come on and praise him, come on and praise him. Come on and praise him, come on and praise him. The devil is under your feet today. The enemy is under your feet today. Hallelujah, he's being crushed right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 